We're going we're gonna, to uh, be in Matthew chapter 14 in just a little bit, and if you want to get your Bibles ready, and uh, if you need note cards, they're up here in the front and also back at the Welcome Center. We'll be getting there in just a little bit, but before we do, I want to talk about faith for just a little bit and catch you up to speed if you haven't been with us recently. Um, it's really kind of cool the way the Bible works. And, and if you're new to Christianity or you don't know a lot about the Bible, you might not be aware that the Bible was written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was written by uh, dozens and dozens of different authors living in different places in different times. But there really is a common thread that weaves all the way through the Bible, and it's really cool. The New Testament is is uh, beautiful in that uh, we see in the New Testament that people are invited to reconnect to God, not through rituals or through behaviors or attending a certain kind of church, but people are invited to reconnect to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we read this in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, things are very, very different. And in fact, uh, if you've uh, just recently started Reading, reading the Bible, you might be a little confused even when you get to the Old Testament. About a year ago, uh, Jess Gower, is Jess with us in this service? Oh, she had to work. Well, Jess Gower, who usually sits in the back row and heckles me every Sunday, uh, <laughs> Jess asked me about a year ago, she was reading through the Old Testament for the very first time, and she said, Russ, uh, I just don't get it. Uh, the, the Old Testament seems so different from the New Testament. I just have one question. Why is God so mad in the Old Testament? Because the New Testament is about God's love and faith in Jesus, all this kind of stuff. And it just seemed like a real disconnect. And so, uh, interestingly enough, I, I've been thinking about that topic for a year. And in two weeks, I'm going to start a new message series. We're going to study the Old Testament book of Malachi. And I'm, I'm titling my message series, Why? Why is God so mad? Uh, and, and so I think there will be I think there will be some pretty cool uh, explanations for that that very good question because it's a very intelligent question. But here's what I know about the Bible: the Old Testament essentially sets up the New Testament. And, and what's really amazing is that although there's 400 years of silence between the last book of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, what we see is that the Old Testament essentially asks a question that the New Testament answers. And in the Old Testament, the question is, how do I reconnect to God? Because in the Old Testament, what we see over and over and over is people sinning, people walking away from God, people rebelling against God, and yeah, God is mad, and and there's punishments, and there's plagues, and there's all this kind of stuff, and people are left wondering, how in the world do I reconnect to God? And then the New Testament comes, and in Jesus, we find the answer. We reconnect to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's very important that we understand that faith is this common thread that ties the whole Bible together. And I've been talking about how we build our faith, how God takes an active interest in growing our faith. I've been talking about this for the last several weeks. And faith or trust or confidence in God is what this is all about. And so if you're taking notes this morning, here's here's what I want you to know. First off, as we start today, mankind disconnected from God over the issue of trust. That's really what it all boils down to. Uh, Adam and Eve, at the very beginning of the story in Genesis, 
uh, they disconnected from God. It wasn't about eating the apple as much as it was that the serpent came to Eve and said, did God really say that? Did, did he really say that? And there was a break in trust. There was a break in faith. And that's what disconnected us from God in the first place. And it's the same thing that we struggle with is this idea of do I really trust God to be who he says he is and to do what he says he will do? And so it's no surprise, or it shouldn't be a surprise, that if the disconnect came over the issue of trust or over the issue of faith, that the reconnect would also come through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the answer. And so if you're taking notes, here's the next thing you can jot down. Faith or trust, confidence in God, those are all synonyms, right? Faith in God is the essence of Christianity. Faith in God is the, is the essence of Christianity. And God is interested in growing your faith because the more you trust him, the more you develop confidence in who he is, the more intimate you are going to become with God. And that's what God wants more than anything else, is to know you, to love you, to have a relationship with you. So God is interested in growing your faith really big. So this is what this series has been all about. We've talked about practical teaching that grows our faith uh, and, and the importance of exposing yourself consistently to good Bible teaching that is application-oriented so you can learn how to do things once you learn to trust God. Second, the second thing that God uses to grow your faith are providential relationships. We talked about how God brings specific people into our lives that just fundamentally changes us and helps our faith to grow. Last week, I talked about private disciplines, one of the great ways that God uses to grow our faith. And I talked about trusting God with our money and how that will grow your faith. Talked about trusting God with your time and when you really spend time with God in prayer and Bible reading and setting that time apart, it, it raises your trust in him, touched on trusting God with your food. Okay, we decided not to go there. If you weren't, if you weren't here, you can listen to the, to the podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about personal ministry. Uh, this is one of the great ways that God grows our faith. And then next week I'll be talking about pivotal circumstances. And many of you could tell stories about circumstances in your life, good ones or, or even tragedies that God has used to grow your faith exponentially. Now, you're not going to find these five things in the Bible as a list. This has been developed uh, by a team of pastors who were observing that this is how God grows faith in people, and so they've kind of put this together. And, and probably everybody in this room would say that, that if, you've, if you've walked with Christ for any length of time, God has used probably all five of these to grow your faith. And, uh, and it's just really cool how that works. But today we're going to talk about how God uses personal ministry to help your faith grow. Now, this has been something that has uh, significantly helped my faith grow. Uh, if you've been with us for any length of time, you know my story a little bit probably. Uh, right out of high school, I went to Bible college out in Seattle. And uh, I graduated with a music degree, but also with a Bible degree because it was a Bible college, right? But uh, I really put myself in a box to some degree. I self-identified as a musician, 
Russ Michaels, I am a musician. I lead worship. This is what I do. And most of us do that, don't we? We, we, we self-identify with some sort of a box. My, well, my wife self-identifies as a histotechnologist. And if you don't know what that is, uh, you should talk to her about it because it's really hysterical. So um, I kid you not, it's a really funny job and kind of a creepy job too. Um, but I self-identified as a worship leader, as a musician, right? And, and uh, after being away from home for about 10 years, uh, I was living in Seattle, and I literally one month ran out of money, couldn't pay my rent, and so I did what all 28-year-old men do. They move home to mom's basement, right? And uh, how many of you have moved into mom's basement at some point in your life? Oh, there were more in first service. There must be, you people are so much more mature, <laughs> So I, I find myself in my parents' basement living because I literally had no money, and, and it just wasn't what my plan for my life was. But here I am back in Montana. It wasn't the plan. And, uh, and, and I'm going to church in the church that I grew up with with my mom and dad, and I found that the pastor of that church ha- had changed. The, the pastor I grew up with was no longer there, and the new pastor's name was Alan. And, and he and I just started hanging out and getting to know one another. And, uh, and one day... One of his staff members came to me and he said, Russ, we have a hole in our ministry team here and, and uh, we really think you would be a good person to teach a young adult's Sunday school class. And my first reaction was, I, I, I don't teach Sunday school and, and I don't want to pastor young adults. I'm a musician and I'm a worship leader that I don't do. I don't pastor people. I lead worship. That's... You know, and here I am in my box, and, and, and as they started exerting a little bit of pressure on me and saying, Russ, you've got the goods, you can do this, you know, and there's a need. We live in a military community, there's all these young men that need somebody to come alongside and just hang out. And I finally relented, and I gave in, and, and I just started doing what I know how to do. I didn't know how to pastor young adults, I didn't even really know how to teach Sunday school, I just... I just knew how to be a young adult. I was 28, right? That's kind of on the upper end of young. But um, we just started, we just started, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so we just started hanging out and, and doing what we do. And we'd hike on the weekends and take crazy trips to Glacier National Park. And over time, I just kept doing whatever it is that I knew how to do. And I was trusting Jesus to, to fill in the gaps and do what he does. And all of a sudden, this group started to grow. And over the, over the period of time, Chris and I eventually got married, and we continued to lead young adults ministries, and it was amazing how it grew and how many people were impacted, but it was because I stepped out of my comfort zone and out of that box that I had created for myself, and, and I just did what I knew how to do and let Jesus do the rest. And if you have been following Jesus for any length of time, you've probably had a similar experience. I could talk to so many of you in this room that somebody invited you to join a ministry team. And uh, one of the things we love around here at Connect is that we've got dozens and dozens of people who volunteer every week. Some of you probably can remember when you felt that pit in your stomach in which you just felt like Jesus was asking you to do something and you just didn't get it. Uh, you know, that's not what I do, you would say. I, I'm not equipped. I, I don't have the answers. Uh, two weeks ago, 
uh, Pastor Bruce shared, and, and the two of us shared together about our plans to launch a Connect Church campus in Great Falls. And, and we shared with you that, that Pastor Bruce is going to go about a year from now, and, and we're so excited, and we want many of you, not, not just some, but we want many of you to relocate to Great Falls and join the Connect Church team. Why are you laughing, Lynn? That wasn't a joke. You just got that pit in your stomach, didn't you? Ah, you that. <laughs> God's not moving Lynn. Boy, that's a dangerous thing to say, Lynn. Whoa. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we've had a bunch of you come and talk to us and say, uh, you know, I, I just feel like I should go, and it's crazy. What am I going to do? What, what am I going to work at, you know? And, and so many times when that happens, and those of you that have that have crossed that line and stepped out of your comfort zone, you remember you don't feel equipped. You don't feel prepared. You don't feel smart enough. You feel scared. What if it's, what if it's a disaster? What if I make a mess? But when you followed through, you discovered that God used that experience to grow your faith, right? Those of you that have had, you just grew because you stepped over that line and stepped out of your comfort zone. So some of you today, you're going to feel in the pit of your stomach this tug of war. You're going to feel like, wow, I'm aware of a need that I could fill. Or I, I, I have this idea that could be great and I think it might be Jesus. And it's, it's going to be a tug of war for you because Jesus may be calling many of you to step out of your comfort zone and do something new. But listen, what I want you to know today is that this isn't about meeting a need. This isn't about doing a task. This is a faith issue. God wants to grow your faith big by calling you out of your comfort zone. And the story that we're going to read about Jesus and his disciples is going to show us just how he does that. So if you've got your Bibles open, uh, look at Matthew 14 with me, and this will be up on the screen. If you don't want to follow along, everything will be up on the screen so you can see it. Uh, But uh, we're picking up here uh, not long after John the Baptist had been beheaded. John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus, and John the Baptist was a powerful preacher who was calling people to repentance. He was really the forerunner of Jesus, and he had been out in the streets uh, for quite a long time preaching repentance and calling people to come back to God, and uh, he liked to, he was one of those preachers that liked to call people out, right? And, and, and a lot of you don't like it when I make you feel too comfortable, uh, like, like Lynn here, who's not going to Great Falls. And... Um, John the Baptist was John the Baptist was calling Herod out. Herod was the ruler of their of their region and Herod had taken up an affair with his brother's wife and eventually she ditched Herod's brother and married Herod and it was a big sordid affair and John the Baptist was just preaching this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong and so Herod did what despotic leaders have always done he chopped off John's head. And that's what has just happened when we pick up this story in Matthew 14. All right, verse 13. It says, as, Jesus, as soon as Jesus heard this news about John the Baptist, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Now, I can imagine that Jesus was probably a little emotional. This was a, a, a kid that he'd grown up with. It was his cousin. He knew him very, very well. And, and Jesus just wanted to get away and be alone. But it says the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat 
And instead of getting away from them and getting up to be alone, he had compassion on them and he began to heal their sick. Isn't that beautiful about Jesus? That in the midst of this tragedy, he had such compassion for people, healing their sick. Verse 15, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Now let me just set the scene here, okay? There's this huge crowd of people around. Jesus is healing people. The disciples finally catch up. It's late in the day. They're, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's no McDonald's. There's no Taco John's. There's, there's nothing like that. There's nowhere for anybody to eat. And quite honestly, in spite of the fact that Jesus is loving these people and healing all of their diseases, the disciples, they've had a little drop in blood sugar, and they're getting a little cranky, okay? And they're like, okay, Jesus, it's enough, Let's send the people away. Let's us go find some. You know, they were just done, right? They were just done. And now this is where this story just gets rich in terms of moving you out of your comfort zone. So look at what happens. Verse 16, Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You don't have to send them away. It's not necessary. And then he says, you feed them. Whoa. Jesus knew there's nowhere to eat. There's, there's nothing, and he looks at these 12 guys, and he says, you feed them. And, you know, my question to you this morning is, have you ever heard Jesus say that to you? There's some kind of a big need that just presents itself, and, and nobody's stepping up to the plate, and, and you're, you might even be one of those prayer warriors that's just saying, God, we, somebody needs to fulfill this need, and all of a sudden, you get this knot in your stomach, and you feel like Jesus says, you do it. You can do this. And you might say like me, no, that's not what I do. I have my box. I'm a worship leader. I don't teach Sunday school. And whatever it might be for you, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a carpet cleaner. I don't, I don't uh, climb on walls with kids back in kids' ministry. Okay? Uh, you know, what is it for you? What's your box? I, I don't do that. That's, that's out of my comfort zone. I love this one. I love when people say, I'm a prayer warrior, and, and I'll pray for the people that are ministering to seventh grade boys, but I'm not, seventh grade boys stink, they're nasty, they have attitudes, God don't send me, to, are there seventh grade boys in here? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> I will pray for that person who's ministering to seventh grade boys, right? But I... I it's not me. You know, we, we get in those boxes. And in reality, what's, what's the truth? The reality is that we're afraid that this smart, brilliant, good-looking young seventh grade boy <laughs> we're afraid that this smart seventh grade boy is going to ask us a question that we don't have the answer for, Right? And so we, we do exactly what the disciples did. We make excuses. And so instead of stepping over that line out of our comfort zone, we just make excuses. Look at what the disciples said. Here's excuse number one, verse 17. But we only have five loaves and two fish. It's not enough. We can't feed all these people. We're not prepared. We're not equipped. Jesus, you've got the wrong guys. 
We've just got this little bit. What's Jesus say in the next verse? He says, bring them here. Just bring it to me. I just can see the disciples going, I knew he was going to say that. (laughs) I just knew it. And you know, he says that to you and me all the time. When, When we bring him our excuses. You know, Jesus, I only went to two years of college. I can't teach somebody. Jesus says, bring me your two years of college. We say, I, I hardly know the Bible. Jesus says, well, bring me what you know. God, I don't have enough time to volunteer for that ministry. And Jesus says, well, bring me the time that you have. We say, what if they ask me hard questions that I don't know the answer for? Jesus says, bring me whatever answers you have. I don't have experience, God. Jesus says, well, bring me whatever experience you have. This is one of them I get all the time. I can't go on a mission trip. How am I going to raise $1,000? I can barely pay my rent. How, how am I going to come up with that money? Or I don't like to fly, you know, whatever the excuse is. And Jesus says, listen, just bring me what you have. Bring me your fear. Bring me your piggy bank. Whatever it is, just bring me what you have. This is what Jesus says to every one of us when we throw up these excuses. Bring me what you have. So he said that to the disciples. They bring him these five loaves and two fish. Verse 19 says, Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. And then now pay very close attention to what this next part says. It says, Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to who? To the disciples who then distributed it to the people. If you've ever read this story before, did you imagine Jesus just making heaps and heaps of food and and giving it to all the people? That's not what happened. He broke the bread and then gave it to the disciples. And if you look at it really carefully, I think this is what happened. God just gave each of these 12 men enough. And he said, now you feed them. And each one of these disciples went and they didn't have the skills. They didn't have the know-how. They, they didn't know how to make a miracle happen. They couldn't feed 5,000 people. They knew how to feed one. They could take this little handful of food and give it to one person. So what did they do? They just did what they knew how to do, and then they trusted that Jesus would do what he knew how to do. And once he handed them the bread and the fish, they just followed through. And, and just one by one, they started giving food away. And listen, when you and I feel that internal nudging and you know that God is calling you to do something, that God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and maybe volunteer or start a ministry, you've got some crazy idea and it's so much bigger than you, he's not asking you to do something extraordinary. He's just asking you to do what you know how to do and then trust him to do what only he can do. And this is what happened with the disciples. They just did what they knew how to do. And then Jesus stepped up and he did what only he can do. Now, we, we all struggle with fear, right? Whenever we feel like Jesus is calling us out of our comfort zone, the first thing we feel is this deep fear. What, what if I fail? What if I can't do that? You know what that is? 
Uh, if you were here last week, you might remember me talking about how faith is like a muscle, right? And, and God likes to just exercise our muscles, our faith muscles, until we literally can't do one more rep. And that's what happens when we step out of our comfort zone. God is wanting to wear that faith muscle out. Why? Because he wants your faith to grow. He wants my faith to grow. And, and that's what's happening. That's what God is interested in doing in your life. It's not even so much about what you can accomplish or who you can help or what ministry you can, you can fund or what ministry you can uh, resource. It's not even so much about that as much as God wants to grow you and help you learn to trust him to do what you didn't think you could do. Look at verse 20. It says, they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. What an extraordinary thing. And it says about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Bible scholars think that there were probably in the neighborhood of fifteen to 20,000 people there, but whoever was counting just counted the dudes. I don't know how that works, but that's what they did. But whether it was 5,000 or 20, it was outrageous what happened, right? And, and the disciples, surely, they, they must have just been awestruck. When, when they saw every person had been fed, and then they had all this stuff left over, they were just dumbfounded. But what's interesting is the disciples didn't look at each other and say, dude, we should start a business. This is awesome, you know? <laughs> they were fully aware that they had just done what they knew how to do, and they had trusted Jesus to do what only he could do, and it was miraculous. They weren't taking credit for, for, for themselves and what happened. They were just learning to trust Jesus. And Jesus had a very specific agenda. And this is what I love about these two stories is Jesus was handing off the responsibility of ministry to the disciples. He could have fed all those people. I mean, Jesus is Jesus, right? He could have done it, but he was handing off the responsibility to the disciples so that their faith would grow. And then he wanted to teach them a little bit more. So class 101 has ended. Now the disciples are going to go into class 201. We're going to read the next story. Are you with me? Yes, Pastor Russ, we're with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Matthew 14, now we're at verse 22. Look at what we, what we read. It says, immediately after this. Now, if, you're, if you mark in your Bible, I would underline that word immediately. Uh, it's one of those little words that it's easy to skip over, but what this word tells us is that these two stories are connected, right? So Jesus has been teaching the disciples something. Now there's a new lesson. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the rest of the people home. Can you imagine how hard that would have been to do? There's just been this extraordinarily, extraordinary miracle. Everybody's been fed. Everybody's getting healed. You know, everybody just wants to stay in the presence of Jesus and just camp out. You know, we're just going to sleep here and everything. But Jesus has an agenda. And it's not just about performing miracles. He's teaching the disciples about their faith. And so it says, verse 23, after sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Remember, that's what he wanted to do in the first place. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting the heavy waves. 
Now they're in the midst of this huge crisis. They don't know it yet, but Jesus has a lesson for them to learn. And, and they're realizing out on the lake, hey, we're getting really good exercise, right? Rowing is great exercise, but we're not getting anywhere. We're just stalled here in the middle of the lake. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water, and when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were what? They were terrified, and they cried out, it's a ghost! Okay? Now, this is one of the really cool things in the Bible that really gives the Bible credibility, okay? Because if, if, if the writers of the Bible were making up stories just, you know, just to tell a good story, you know, they wouldn't make themselves look so bad, right? Because, look... These guys have just been with Jesus. They've, they've watched him feed tens of thousands of people. They've watched him healing the sick. And then when Jesus walks on the water, they're like, whoa, what's that? It's a ghost, right? I mean, they're, they're just kind of idiots, you know? And in our church traditions, you know, we build basilicas and, and make statues to St. Peter and St. Matthew and, and all that kind of stuff. And if, if those guys were around, they'd go, stop calling me saint, you know? I was a coward, right? I ran away from Jesus. I cut off a guy's ear. I denied him three times. Don't call me St. Peter. I was a coward, right? And this is what's happening in this boat. And, and, and one of the things I just love is that the Bible is just so honest about it. You know, somebody were making this up. You know, they'd say, and then Jesus was walking on the water, and we saw him, and we started saying, Jesus, Jesus. You know, that's not what happened. They're just terrified. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And in that moment, I think, Peter had an insight. And it's like Peter just suddenly figures this thing out, okay? He's remembering that little meal. It was just it was just a few little pieces of bread and a couple of fish. And all of a sudden, there's all these thousands of people that got fed. And Jesus was healing them. And then Jesus told him to get in the boat. And he insisted that they get in the boat. And, and Peter's suddenly realizing, Jesus knew we couldn't do this. It's like Jesus, like Peter's like, Jesus, you, you knew, you knew we, we were going to come out and get all this exercise, but we weren't going anywhere. And, and Peter's like, I think I understand this. And the light bulbs are going on for Peter, and he's saying to himself, I think that what Jesus is trying to get me to understand is that if I will do what I know how to do, and I'll trust Jesus to do what only he can do, then we can do anything he calls us to do. And when the light bulb goes on for Peter, then he decides to test his theory. Look at what he does. Peter called out to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, and I'm really hoping it is. (laughs) That wasn't in there. (laughs) Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you walking on the water. And what's really cool here is something that you and I really need to learn because Peter understands that he isn't really capable of having any good, any good ideas at this point, right? I mean, Peter made all kinds of stupid gaffes. He was kind of like the, the dopey disciple, right? 
You know what I'm saying? And at this point, for him to just jump out of the boat wouldn't be faith. It would just be stupid. And so he's saying to Jesus, would you invite me to come to you? Jesus, would you invite me to come? Listen, there's been all kinds of ministries and projects that have been launched under the name of it's a really good idea and I hope Jesus blesses it. All of us need to learn that that we really need to hear Jesus call us before we just start doing crazy things. But when Jesus calls us, look, all you gotta do is do what you know how to do and trust him to do what only he can do and all of a sudden, everything explodes. And here's, here's what we see Peter saying, Jesus, tell me to come to you. And, and I can imagine the other 11 disciples in the, butt, in the, butt, in the boat in the boat going, what, what are you talking about, Peter? You know, do you know it's 3 o'clock in the morning? You know, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, verse 29, Jesus says, yes, Peter, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk. That's what Peter knew how to do. He knows how to get out of a boat. He knows how to walk. He doesn't know how to walk on water. That's way above his pay grade, right? But Peter just did what he knew how to do, and he trusted Jesus to do what only he could do. And uh, when Jesus invited him, he just wanted to test to see if Jesus would be faithful to him. And, And listen, this is the common experience we all have. When Jesus invites us to do something, and, and we just do whatever we know how to do. Jesus does what he does. It's what Jesus does. And I want to dare you this morning to pray the Peter prayer. Do you know what the Peter prayer is? This is the Peter prayer. Lord, please invite me out of my comfort zone. Lord, please invite me out of my comfort zone. God, I want you to use me in the lives of other people. God, I don't want to even come up with the idea. I just want you to invite me to do something outrageous. For some of you, if you pray that Peter prayer, it means there's going to be big changes in your life means you're going to have to restructure your time. It might mean you're going to have to restructure your finances. For some of you, if you really pray that prayer with authenticity, Jesus is going to send you with Pastor Bruce to Great Falls. Uh, Outrageous. Lynn says it's not going to happen to her. I don't know about the rest of (laughs) y'all. But if you really pray, pray this prayer, God, invite me out of my comfort zone. Hang on, because Jesus is going to rock your faith. Here's what happened. Verse 30. So Peter steps out of the boat. Verse 30. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, which reminded Peter of what he couldn't do, right? Uh, He was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. There's that immediately word again. Isn't that cool? Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And then he said, you have so little faith. And here's what I want you to see here. This is such an important verse. This isn't Jesus trying to figure out some cool new miracle to do, okay? This experience in the lives of the disciples was all about faith. Jesus was teaching them how to grow their faith. And there was an agenda there. Jesus was saying, I'm just trying to get you to trust me instead of your own abilities. 
Jesus said, you have so little faith. And then he said, why did you doubt me? Doubt is the opposite of faith, is it not? And that's what happened. In not trusting me, Peter, you doubted me. And listen, I don't think Jesus was chastising Peter. Look, there were 11 other guys in the boat, right, that were still in the boat, I don't think Jesus was chastising Peter. I think, I think he was saying, Peter, you were so close. You were right there. You were taking a risk. You were following me. You were doing it. What, what tripped you up? You were right there. And then I love how this story ends. Verse 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then... The disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they said. You know, like, like we didn't get it when you fed 10,000 people. You know, all that healing stuff, we weren't really sure. But wow, Jesus, you're really the real deal. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. If you're a part of this church, you are so blessed because of all of the people who have stepped out of their comfort zone ahead of you, and they've stepped out of the boat in the last five years. We've got dozens and dozens of people who have just said, you know, I, I am so unequipped, but I will, I will help Pastor Bruce back in the kids' area. I will teach. I will create. I will love. I will hold somebody's baby so that they can be out in the auditorium experiencing everything. We've had people step into uh, leading the whole hospitality ministry, all that coffee donut stuff. That's a lot of work. Uh, we, we've had people, Craig Claus had never even been in a ministry in a church before, and he said, I'll take that on. I'll just do it. Stepping out of his comfort zone. We've got people out in the parking lot helping you park your cars. We've got people all over this campus. We've got small group leaders that just struggle every week. God, I don't think I have what it takes. But Jesus has called them out of their comfort zone, and they're doing a great job because they're just doing what they know how to do, and Jesus is faithful to do what only he can do. And you're blessed because you're here, because somebody saw a need, and they heard Jesus invite them. And aren't you glad that somebody's doing that for you? And so I want to ask you, all of you sitting here this morning, what is God nudging you to do? If you've been sitting here all morning long and you've just felt that, that pit in your stomach or whatever it is, and, and, and maybe you, you feel like God is just saying, you can do this. There's a need. You have a vision. You, I'm giving you an idea of where I want you to go, what I want you to, how you can serve. And you're probably going through all the excuses in your head. I, I, I'm not equipped. I don't have time. I don't have enough education. I don't have any experience. You, you're probably coming up with all those things. And what I want to say to you is let Jesus draw you out of your comfort zone. Just let him, to do, let him do it. You know why? Because it's all about growing your faith. And if you're not fully equipped, if you're not a master small group leader first time, that's okay because what you're going to find out is that at the end of this whole process, you're going to say, wow, I'm just like those 11 dopey disciples who had failed to recognize that God is so huge, but now I get it because I stepped out of the boat and he caught me. And even when I took my eye off the ball, he caught me. And your faith will grow so big if you'll just let Jesus call you out of your comfort zone. Do you get it? Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. I want to pray for you this morning. 
And um, I'm going to pray a little differently than I did in our first service, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I had somebody come up to me after our first service, and he said, Russ, you just nailed it this morning. It was so good, but you, you, you dropped off one thing at the end. He said, I just felt like some of us needed to repent for not fully trusting God. And so I, I think that's a word for this group this morning. Some of you have been holding out on fully trusting God. And uh, so I want to invite you to repent. And uh, I'll just lead us in a prayer. You don't have to repeat it after me. Just, just let me pray for you. Can we do that? Bow your heads. Jesus, we recognize that you are the Son of God, that you're so faithful. And if we really look at our lives carefully, we can see, Jesus, that you've never let us sink. Even when we've taken our eyes off the ball, your hand has been there to catch us. And we've watched your miraculous provision at times in our life. We've seen miracles. We've We've just been aware that there's something bigger than us out there. But some of us, Lord, we've just been pulling back from faith and from trust. And we've just been stubbornly trusting only in ourselves. And this morning, Lord, I am, I'm praying for every person in this room, and I'm including myself in this prayer, and saying, Lord, we repent of that self-sufficiency we, re- we repent of being stubborn and refusing to see who you really are. And Lord, we re- repent of moving out of our comfort zone into that space of faith and trust. And Jesus, now, in your presence, we renounce fear and we embrace courage. And we pray, Jesus, that you will help us to do whatever it is we know how to do and help us to trust you to do what only you can do. And Jesus, grow our faith big because I know that's what you're doing in us. That's what you want to happen. You want us to just be faith giants. So Jesus, do it in our lives, we pray. Now while your heads are bowed and nobody's looking around, I want to lead you in one more prayer and I am going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud with me. Um, I have just been sensing all day today that there are people um, who are being found by the grace of Jesus today, like that song that we sang. Jesus is finding you today. And maybe you're not a person, maybe you wouldn't even describe yourself as a person of faith. Um, Maybe you have struggled with whether or not you even believe in God. But right now you're just sensing his presence finding you and you're ready to fully embrace him. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer from the deepest place of your heart. And uh, we'll all pray this out loud together. But if you're coming to Jesus, pray this from your heart. And uh, Jesus is going to change you today. He's going to rock your world today. So everybody pray this with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for loving me. Thank you for showing me who you are. I've been resisting you. I've been full of doubt. And I've just been trusting myself. 
but Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. Come into my life. Wash away my sin and my rebellion. Reconnect me to God. And Jesus, transform me. Change me from the inside out. I just think it happened for some of you today, and I'm kind of excited to find out who you are. Uh, If you prayed that today and you're making a commitment to Jesus, would you mark it on your connection card? And uh, we want to share some next steps with you in what it means to really follow Jesus. All right? Uh, I just want us to sing Amazing Grace. So um, I don't know where the band is, but you guys come.